1: Together with our guests and listeners, we seek to discuss, challenge, and create new understanding about how to inspire better experiences in response to ever-changing customer expectations. Hello and welcome to another episode of the All Things Considered CX podcast. I'm your host, Bob Asman, and it's a pleasure to welcome you back to another one of our episodes with an interesting guest who has some great perspective on the world of customer experience. I'm really pleased to welcome Dave Seaton from Seaton CX to the podcast today. Dave, welcome, and please introduce yourself to our listeners.
0: Thanks, Bob. It is great to be here. I'm Dave Seaton. And I am a customer experience consultant. I work with business to business SaaS companies to help launch their CX programs and get CX and voice of the customer off the ground. And then I do a second thing too. um, Something I started on the one year anniversary of my company in January is I've started a leadership development uh, course for CX leaders um, based on emotional intelligence and psychology. So kind of putting everything I learned as a practitioner um, in into place for other CX leaders.
1: Listeners, I'm really excited uh, when Dave agreed to join the podcast uh, because first he talks about B2B SaaS and um, environments and and we don't hear a lot about that and we don't hear a lot about that on the podcast so and we get so many comments about oh that's b2c you know it doesn't apply to b2b so it's great that dave's going to give us that perspective and then um as he expands into leadership development we're really excited to learn some of the things he's doing in this area because we've had um what i call adjacent guests um leadership developers coaches and so forth uh, on this podcast, because it's so important um, to the customer experience. So Dave, nobody wakes up when they're young and says, I want to be a customer experience consultant. So tell us a little bit about your career path. How did you evolve over time? How did you get to where you are today? Give give us, give us the rundown on who Dave Seton is.
0: Sure. So Bob, I woke up when I was young wanting to be a video game programmer. And, uh, in fact, I wrote my, my first computer program in the second grade in um, BASIC on the, the Apple IIc. And then pursued a career in computer science and um, was a computer programmer for just over a decade. When I got roped into customer support uh, on kind of the Tier 3 side of customer support and and what had happened is uh, i was at a a small company and all the customer service people had quit and so they said well we'll have uh, some of our developers on the scrum team rotate through and and each of them will take an iteration doing customer support and at first i hated it but then i started to kind of like it because each each ticket was like a little problem that I got to solve. And that was, that was the first big epiphany in my career journey was that I really didn't like banging out computer code. What I liked was solving problems and doing customer support was like dopamine hit after dopamine hit every <laughs> single ticket that I worked. Um And so then, you know, I I was good at support and like most high performers I got put in a management job and like most high performers that come out of a technical track and find themselves in management I really struggled with it and uh, my first six months completely alienated my team my top performer rage quit and uh, I had a new problem to solve that I really wasn't equipped for. Nothing in a decade of computer science had prepared me to lead people. So I went out and began to learn everything that I could about leadership and began to put those practices in place and actually turned the team around. And over the next six months, um, boosted team productivity 22% and accomplished some really great things. And that became kind of the launching point of this passion for being a leader and, and leading people. And, um, over the next, uh, over the next three years, I went from manager to director, uh, to vice president. So I climbed very, very quickly. And, um, so then as you know vice president of a customer support organization i hit my next big challenge in my career path and that was leading or influencing cross-functionally and uh, i remember i was at a i was at a the global leadership summit in 2016 and travis Bradbury bradbury was on stage and he asked this question he said what Problems are you dealing with today that were caused by your own emotional reactions from the past? And that question kind of knocked me over because I could see kind of this web of events that had created this, this one contentious relationship um, at work that I had and how you know maybe my own emotional reactions had contributed to that and had exacerbated the situation, and so then that started what has been a five-year journey for me, learning about and improving my emotional intelligence, and uh, and and that was kind of the next big, big jump for me. Uh, made me a much more effective leader at at that VP level where you're really just spending a fraction of your time managing down, but a great deal of your time managing or influencing side to side and then managing up as well. And then um, a few years after that, I got a really unique uh, opportunity to step into this position really my first CX position, although the company didn't know it at the time and I didn't know it at the time. Um, but I had a new boss who had created this job called service level transformation. And, and I used to joke, like it was such a made up title because if you Googled service level transformation jobs, my LinkedIn profile was the top hit. Like there there is no job out there called service level transformation. But he had taken kind of all the big problems that the organization had and put them into this transformation role. And there was a a Lean Six Sigma component and um, contact center transformation, uh, service revenue generation, a bunch of things. And as I got into it, I began to realize it's, it's really, it's about, customer experience and so three months into the role um two things happened one is i decided i needed to learn some more and so i went and took an executive education class at harvard business school called transforming customer experiences and on the friday that i left for harvard my boss who had created this one-of-a-kind role announced that he was leaving the company (laughs) oh And they didn't replace him for the next 26 months. And so, um, you know, there was very much an, an open position there. You know, I, I guess reported to the CEO and from time to time, couple times a year, I'd have one on ones with that guy. But I was in this position where um, I didn't have a boss to. You know, clue me on into what was happening at the, at the C suite strategy level to provide air cover for me, to provide advice, to set strategy and direction. And I had to figure all of that on my, out on my own. And it really put to test, um, those skills that I was developing for leading cross functionally and, and leading by influence. And then I learned, um, CX as well. And I, I absolutely fell in love with customer experience management. It brought together everything that I loved about problem solving from my computer programming days, about um, leading other people, about emotional intelligence and understanding uh, how other people think and how they're processing emotions and um, solving big complex uh, organizational problems for the company, and, and so I loved it, and um, built a, a really great team, um, and uh, we you know did some very successful things for the company. We won the North American Customer Centricity Award in uh, twenty twenty, and then you know as as we said a year out, a little, little over a year ago, I started my company, and then I left in June to be a consultant full time. And that's my CX career journey.
1: Wow. There's some rich experiences in there, Dave. Um, I've got to ask you about a few. One is, why do you think, well, first of all, uh, one comment we often hear is, is, oh, another CX consultant that doesn't have practical experience. Well, Dave Seaton's blowing that myth out of the water because he spent many, many years on the front line, Doing customer experience and only recently as a consultant, so I think that's really a key point to point out. But, but more so than that is having run customer service operations for many years as well. Is why do you think in customer service we get up every day and know we're going to get beat up and and go to home at night and get up the next morning and do it all over again? You you used (laughs) an interesting approach that you got you know uh, a little bit uh, energized by that, but why do you think that is?
0: <clears throat> some
1: and, some of us enjoy it so much
0: yeah, it, you know every everybody's reason is is different for some people it's it's the problem solving um, for some people, it's absolutely being the hero, being the hero to somebody to some customer when you solve their problem. other people are just. Uh, service and, and empathy wired and they love serving other people and they love um helping out you know people people have different reasons but um I think you know underlying all of that is you can't be in in customer service if you if you don't like other people and don't have um some some basic empathy skills for you know, just, just having compassion for that person on the other end of the support ticket.
1: Mm-hmm. So true. And Dave, cross-functionality in an organization, we, we hear it so often about silos. We hear it, how difficult it is to uh, create transformational change because the organization is built in silos or it's matrixed or it's not functioning properly or trying to engage cross-functional resources across the organization is difficult. What in your experience, um, can you share with our listeners about how do you overcome that? How do you engage work cross-functionally? How do you implement experience improvements uh, in these challenging situations?
0: It's, um, It's all about building relationships. And really understanding the people that you're trying to collaborate with so that you can influence them and I've talked you know now as a now as a consultant I talk to CX leaders all the time and I hear I hear this common theme of frustration and one guy expressed it like this he said well that VP of Ops didn't prioritize training, so our customer experience didn't improve. And another guy said it like this. He said, I'm butting heads with the CTO about this voice of the customer initiative. So, you know, I guess our, our CX isn't gonna go anywhere. And, you know, the, the theme is, hey, it's that other guy's fault. Because that guy doesn't get it. You know, that guy's not illuminated in the new CX thinking and has become a roadblock. And that's why we can't get get forward. And, you know, that actually, I think, drives a wedge, a, a bigger wedge between the silos and silos off CX and when i was a practitioner i had uh, a little bit of a different mindset and every time i got a no from a stakeholder and and believe me i got plenty i always went back and looked in the mirror and said dave how can you be a better influencer and um it kind of developed this this playbook there's kind of three Three things going on, I think, that makes a a a CX leader influential in that organization. Um, the first is the mindset you You've got to have that long game mindset, and I mean extremely long game. so when you're when your peers are planning for next month, you're planning for next quarter. When they're planning for next quarter, you're planning for next year. And you've got to know, you've got to have a vision for where you want to be um, that's way ahead of of where uh, the rest of the organization is. And then you need to break that vision down into intermediate states. And what, what I mean by this, one of my favorite examples is everybody knows NASA's Apollo program. Put a man on the moon. That was the objective of Apollo. And that's the one everybody remembers and everybody celebrates. But before Apollo, there was a program called Gemini. And the purpose of Gemini was just to figure out how to do things in space. How do we dock spacecraft together? How do we get a man to leave the spaceship, do work, and get back safely? You know, how do we how do we do all those things in space and before Gemini was Project Mercury and Mercury was just about bringing a man up into space and getting him back down to to Earth safely. And so, you know, from this mindset perspective, you've got to have Apollo as your objective, but today you've got to be working on Project Mercury. And, and that may look like instead of building the business case to go spend six figures on enterprise CX software, you're building the business case to spend $10,000 on a one-time CX project that that's going. you're going to be able to deliver uh, in a short period of time that's going to show ROI, that's going to help build the momentum for CX in the organization. And then you just make daily incremental progress on that um, on that intermediate state, and 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 value that progress over perfection. And so that's I think kind of the first part is is getting your own mindset right. Mm-hmm. The second is understanding your stakeholders, because just like you know we segment our customers. You can you can do the same analysis with your stakeholders and you can understand that you know your VP of customer success goes into anaphylactic shock if you start to mention metrics and statistics so how do you (laughs) how do you influence that person you tell customer stories The, the customer stories very much resonate with with that kind of stakeholder your VP of Customer service may be very metrics-driven, and they dismiss customer stories as just one-off anecdotes that don't indicate a pattern. Those are those are quotes from um, uh, a lady I was mentoring through the CXPA. She had a stakeholder that would say that about her customer stories, and so with those stakeholders, you you present the um, you present the metrics and the statistics and you know all of the qualitative stuff and then the third thing um once you you've got your mindset right and you understand your stakeholders their their external motivations and their internal motivations and how they like to consume their data then you act intentionally and there's some very tactical strategies uh, that you can use to influence people to get time uh, with people, to to get them to contribute resources, to find out what their hesitations are, and um, you know, it, it becomes part of the of the journey of the daily incremental progress uh, towards building those bridges cross functionally for CX.
1: Wow, that is really interesting, Dave, and a couple of things. Jump out at me. One is this whole concept of influencing. And I, and I think you've really nailed something there and how important it is. But then I also liked your approach to incremental changes as you go along. And, and so often I've heard, you know, the boil the ocean analogy or, you know, how to eat an elephant, all that kind of stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: yet you're saying we could make incremental approval, improvements that keep us on track and keep us aligned to the long-term goal, but we don't lose that momentum. Did I understand that right?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, people say crawl, walk, run, um, boil the ocean, eat the elephant, all those analogies. But what my team and I did that was really effective is we said, okay, what does crawling look like? What are the things the organization is doing when it's crawling? What does it feel like? You know, how do people feel? When, when we're crawling, when we're in the crawl, st- crawl state, how do, how are they talking, you know, um, and really getting a, a, a good picture for that, uh, just like, you know, your, your Mercury program or your, or your Gemini program, you know, what are the objectives right now? Yes, we're, we want to get to that place where we've bought an enterprise VOC platform and we've got measurement at all the different touch points, but today right now um we're going to just inch along um on this on this very specific uh, uh phase i guess or or intermediate state and um you know that that was important because especially from the feeling perspective of how does the how does the organization feel um you know there is there is a group There was a group in the company when I was a practitioner that had a specific narrative that they had been advancing for several years. um, You know, different silos, kind of playing the the blame game. You know, whose fault is it it that we lost this customer or didn't get that deal or whatever? And the group had a, a very specific narrative, and one of my objectives was to change that narrative. And along the way, it did change. Now, they weren't saying exactly what I wanted them to say. They didn't, fully, they didn't fully understand what we were trying to do with customer experience. But it was an improvement. And I had to be okay with that. I had to not, um, you know, demand perfection that, you know, those guys go and get three years of customer experience learning in a month. I just had to be OK with their progress that, you know, we were we were moving towards a, uh, a future state where they were going to get it. And they you know, the narrative was going to change permanently and there was going to be cooperation and collaboration across the silos.
1: So Dave, this starts to feel a little bit like emotional intelligence to me. And you made that comment early on in our discussion and how you're kind of broadening your view beyond experience management to leadership development and emotional intelligence. Tell us how that comes into play with what you've been talking about.
0: Everything, everything is driven Everything with humans is driven by emotion. Um, you know, na- nature nature ra- rages on unemotionally, um, but in the human, in with humans, everything is ultimately emotional. There's the way our brains are connected. The front of our brains, the prefrontal cortex, is where we process rational thought, but. To get in and out of the prefrontal cortex, you've got to go through the limbic system, where your amygdala sits and your amygdala processes emotions. And um, you know, to to the extent that you are able to empathize with the stakeholders in your organization and be Be intelligent about their emotional needs and then the emotions that you are triggering in them to the extent that you can discover what are their core values that are you know that they're using to um, interpret how you know your your words and actions are meeting or not meeting their emotional needs. When you can begin to have that level of understanding and empathy towards other people, then you can be very intentional about how uh, you manage yourself and your own actions um, so that ultimately you can improve and, and manage and cultivate that relationship.
1: I think that's so uh, apropos for customer experience because so often, Dave, we talk just about the techniques within customer experience, but, but we don't really talk a lot about how to get there. You know, what are the tools and skills you need to get there, right? So we talk about journey mapping and voice of the customer and market research and NPS and everything else, but you're really touching on that emotional side, that leadership side that's so important to influence to your point earlier to navigate to to be successful in the role
0: yeah, and you know there there's a whole playbook of of influencing techniques out there that you can that you can use um but, you know, why I say it starts with with mindset is you always want to be coming from a point of empathy and compassion and collaboration. Otherwise, you're you're being manipulative, you're being Machiavellian, you're being evil. And, um, you know, that'll that'll work once. Mm-hmm. But but then you just des- then you destroy trust and then, you know, you, you've you kind of sunk yourself um it. It reminds me of, uh, and, and this is a great story that'll illustrate some of those principles. It reminds me of when I got scammed out of 12 bucks by a pretty girl in college. Um, so I lived in the guy's dorm and girls weren't allowed uh, except under escort and during the day. And so it was a big surprise when there was a knock on my door one night and there was a pretty girl standing there alone in front of my dorm room and uh you know i opened the door and she smiled and she said do you like magazines i said well yeah i mean who doesn't like magazines right she said me too what kind of magazines do you like i stammered a bit i'm like well i like you know hiking magazines and and guitar magazines i definitely like guitar magazines she said that's great because i'm selling magazines and she holds out this glossy brochure with pictures of magazines she said it's a really great price but you can only get it right now so which magazine do you want to buy and at that point i i couldn't say no because i liked magazines she was selling the exact magazines that i liked it looked official with this glossy brochure she was a pretty girl that I wanted to impress so I wrote her a check for 12 bucks <laughs> and bob I would love to tell you that uh, despite being suckered into buying that magazine that I really looked forward to it every month and I loved reading it but I never got a single issue
1: <laughs> oh my gosh Okay, Dave, that has to be one of the best stories ever told on one of my podcasts.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But it's, it's important to CX leaders for two reasons. Uh, And, and it's why it stuck with me for 20 plus years, however, however that long ago that was, is, is she employed very specific tactics to influence me into making that decision to write the check. Um, it started with what salespeople will call a pattern interrupt, a pretty girl standing outside my door in the boy's dormitory, right? Um, and, and what, uh, Robert Cialdini, author of the book Influence, uh, would call as the liking principle. I, I initially liked this pretty girl, so I, I wanted to hear what she had to say. Um, then there was the consistency principle. She got me, I had already said, yes, I like magazines. I had already said which magazines that I liked. They were magazines that she had available for sale. I could not say no without feeling that cognitive dissonance of contradicting myself in front of this, this person that I all of a sudden wanted to impress so there was a the pattern interrupt there was a the liking principle there was the consistency principle um it all looked very official cuz she had the laminated brochure uh we would call that the authority principle it's very uh, official looking i trusted her that she was an authoritative seller of magazines and then the, lastly it was the scare, the scarcity principle i had to buy right then and there or I, you know, she was, she was walking away and I would miss out on, you know, what she said was a great deal. So I turned over my money. The only thing she didn't do was give me a free gift or tell me that the guy next door had bought two magazines. If she, if she'd done either of those things, then, uh, you know, she would have had the whole um, gamut of influencing principles right there at work. So that's, that's the first lesson is, Hey, there are, there are principles and tactics based in human psychology that you can use to influence other people. But the second lesson from that magazine scammer is she could only pull that on me once. Mm. If she had come back the next week, I was on to her. It's like, Dave, do you like magazines? No, no, <laughs> <laughs> go away. Right. Um, and and so I think both of those are, are lessons for CX leaders is yes, you can learn how to use emotional intelligence and psychology to influence other people. But number one rule: don't be evil, don't be manipulative, don't use it, don't use these skills to play corporate politics or backstab people because ultimately it's it's going to cut you off for achieving that long that uh long game vision that you have for bringing CX into your organization.
1: Excellent, Dave. I I can't believe how fast our time together goes by when we're talking about such important topics. So, I want to wrap up our podcast with with two final questions, Dave. One is, where do you think the profession and this world of CX is headed given everything we're facing right now globally and, and pandemic and supply chain and, and Ukraine war and so forth. Where do you think we're heading as a profession? Uh, and then I'll ask one final question before we wrap.
0: I think um you know, if you think about a, an early adopter curve or, you know, something going mainstream, I think we are approaching the tipping point where CX goes mainstream. And, um, you know, I think there are other other business disciplines like uh, operational excellence and Lean Six Sigma stuff. You know, I think that went mainstream in the 90s. I'm not a marketing person, but I hear that you know there wasn't always a marketing department and at one time marketing was was new, and people weren't really sure about that thing and i I think that's where we are right now with c x is it has built a ton of momentum and it is uh, it's about to go mainstream, and that ten years from now um, there won't be you know, companies wondering if they need a CX program or not, it will um be a trusted, reliable business discipline, just like Lean Six Sigma, that companies say, Oh yeah, you know, we need to um we need to take a look at our customer experience. So uh you know that that's my belief and I gotta tell you factored heavily into my decision to leave corporate and be a consultant. I think the The time is right for CX. I
1: really like that, Dave. And I haven't heard it put quite that way in terms of its relationship to other um, kind of cornerstone activities that we do in a work function. So, you know, like you said, Six Sigma Lean and others. So I think that's really a great way to to connect with where CX is going and what path it could be on. So I, I love that. I love that um, comparison. And Dave, one final question. Uh, words of wisdom for our listeners. You've, you've shared a lot of words of wisdom. I just want to say that. But I always give my guests the final say in, in terms of any final thoughts they'd like to share with our listeners.
0: I, I guess my, my final thought would just be to encourage people to be their authentic, well-managed self. Um, you know, just be you life. Life is is too short to try and be someone else or to, you know, pretend to be this emotionless corporate robot or toe the line or whatever. Um, be yourself, but be your well-managed self. And you know, that goes back to emotional intelligence and, um, you know, knowing knowing when to be vulnerable, knowing when it's not appropriate to be vulnerable and, uh, you know, always, always playing the long game and putting the integrity of your relationships ahead of, um, you know, whatever fire you're fighting or whatever uh, the crisis of the moment is.
1: Excellent. Dave, excellent. Uh, Thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure having you and hearing your thoughts. Where uh, can our listeners get in touch with you um, if they want to learn more about some of what you talked about today?
0: I primarily hang out on LinkedIn. So LinkedIn slash N slash Dave Seaton. I've got two websites now, one for the consulting business at SeatonCX.com. Should probably spell my last name. That's Sierra Echo Alpha Tango Oscar November in uh NATO phonetic spelling that I learned to be an awesome customer service person. Oh, um, good. <laughs> the the second website, if you're interested in the CX Influence playbook and emotional intelligence stuff. I've got, I'm starting up a free newsletter there. It's at DaveSeatonLeadership.com and uh, would love to connect with any of your listeners on LinkedIn.
1: Fantastic. Again, thanks, Dave, for joining me and listeners. This has been another episode of the All Things Considered CX podcast, part of the CX of M radio network of podcasters. If you've enjoyed this, podcast, please share it with your networks. And as always, stay tuned for future episodes with intriguing guests talking about the world of customer experience. Until next time, this is Bob Asman, your host. Thanks for listening to this episode of All Things Considered, CX. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your colleagues. Subscribe to our show, follow me on LinkedIn, and visit my website at InnovativeCX.com for more insights on creating better experiences.